Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves their hearts were hardened. I'd like to say a prayer now because John is just about to come and preach to us. So let's just pray that God might bless him as he gives us his word. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for John and his ability to communicate your word. We pray now that you'll indeed bless him as he comes just to speak to us and that his mouth will just pour forth with your words. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, David, and good morning, everyone. In 1978, the bishops of the Anglican Communion, assembled for the Lambeth Conference, announced a decade of evangelism. Now, that might surprise you, because you'd think evangelism was supposed to be something we were doing all the time. But what they actually meant was that um, evangelism for Anglicans was to be top priority until the next Lambeth Conference and they could see what effect it had had. On hearing this, one vicar immediately contacted his local GP and asked for a medical check. Uh, And when he'd had it, he said to the doctor, tell me straight, doc, do you think I've got a decade of evangelism in me? I think he was seriously worried by the challenge. And our theme today, continuing the association with the Olympic Games and what the competitors and athletes uh, undertook, the theme today is challenging the team. Did you see any of the Olympic rowing? I heard Steve Redgrave say that it's just about the most physically demanding of all sports activities. So it wasn't surprising to see many of the rowers virtually collapsing at the end of their event. And indeed, one British rower, Alan Campbell, who just managed to win a bronze medal, was in such a state that he was unable to get to the podium afterwards to receive the medal without Steve Redgrave's help. Well, take that as an analogy for what we've heard about in this reading today. The disciples out there in the lake, on the lake, struggling to row against this strong headwind all night and making little progress. And worst of all, Jesus wasn't with them. He made them set off without him. 
while he dismissed the crowd of 5,000 people he just fed and went up into the hills by himself to pray. And that was a quite deliberate plan by Jesus. The word used here in the Greek means that he urged the disciples. He persuaded them to go away without him in the boat. And why did he decide to do it? Well, I think we can see this was the next step in Jesus' plan to form a team which would be able to carry on his mission. If you looked earlier in the chapter we've just heard from, you would see that he'd already sent them out two by two round the villages to bring the healing message of God's kingdom. And on their return, they had a debriefing session with Jesus. And then we read in verse 31, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Sensible advice. But it didn't work because the crowd simply wouldn't let Jesus out of their sight. We read that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he spoke to them further until the time was growing late and people were hungry and the disciples wanted Jesus to send them away to get some food. But he said to them, you give him, you give them something to eat. Well, they only had a small amount of bread and fish. But as we know, Jesus used those scanty resources to feed the whole 5,000 and baskets full over. And of course, the disciples were responsible for the distribution of the food and gathering up the leftovers. So it must have been a long time before they could sit down and eat something themselves. And so if you think of that whole experience, we see that the disciples' training involved them in a lot of hard work and total commitment to the service of others. Basic things they needed to learn if they were be, to be able to cooperate with Jesus in his work and his mission. And we also see that Jesus used whatever gifts they had, the bread and the fish, and made them sufficient to meet the need, however small those gifts might be. Important things they had to learn. But then, Jesus deliberately gives them this challenging test. He sends them off in a boat to cross the lake. Well, it didn't seem like a challenge. After all, a number of these disciples had spent most of their lives up to this point fishing in boats on this very lake. So what was difficult about that? What they probably didn't understand was why on this occasion Jesus didn't come with them. And then they find themselves in real trouble. A gale blows up, sails are useless, arms are tiring at the oars. And Jesus is aware of their plight. If there was a full moon, he would have been able to see the boat from the shore. Or perhaps Jesus perceived the danger because of the strength of the wind. Whatever it was, suddenly the disciples see Jesus walking past them on the water. And of course, they're frightened out of their wits. They assume what they can see must be a ghost. 
Possibly Jesus himself. Something dreadful had happened to their master. Everything seemed to be going wrong. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. Now, during the Olympic Games, we heard many athletes describing how they had trained for four years to get ready for their one event. In some cases, all that hard work paid off. For others, there was the disaster of getting injured at the wrong moment or failure to achieve their personal best when the day came. Some were even upset that they only won silver or bronze, only gold would do. But others quite rightly reacted with delight because although they didn't come near to winning a medal, they'd returned their best ever performance. And that's all that anybody could expect of them. The training for these athletes was all about getting ready to face the challenge. And that's the same for us as followers of Jesus. We learn from his teaching. We try to equip ourselves and train ourselves to be effective in his service, seeking to identify the gifts God has given us and to use them as Jesus would have us do. But then, however trained, however inspired we are, and those were the themes you remember of some of the previous sermons in this series, however trained, however inspired, there comes the time when we actually have to be ready to face the challenge. And in this experience of the disciples out in the storm, we get an insight into how we too may be challenged in our discipleship in those times when life's a struggle and we find ourselves in choppy waters. And it may come unexpectedly, as it did for them, doing familiar things, like fishermen taking out a boat. It may be when we're doing perfectly ordinary things we've done many times before. Suddenly, our Christian walk with Jesus gets difficult, and we can't understand why. We're faced with an unexpected challenge. It may come when we're not in close touch with Jesus, as in the symbolism of the disciples being in the boat without Jesus. So there can be times in our lives when we forget about Jesus. There are times when he doesn't always seem to be close to us, or our faith isn't always constant. How did the disciples perform in this challenge? Well, it seems they failed. We read that they hadn't understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So what does that mean? Well, they hadn't worked out that the way Jesus had used that small amount of food to supply so many people meant that he had authority over all God's creation. He could take their small resources and use them wonderfully. He could send them equally into a storm and control the power of the wind and the waves. These were things they hadn't understood. But their failure wasn't the end of their relationship with Jesus. Indeed, I think their failure was inevitable and was indeed the point of Jesus sending them out on the lake. It was a necessary part of their learning 
to be effective disciples. It's only when we realize, perhaps through bitter experience, that we can succeed only by putting everything into God's hands and trusting totally to his will and purpose that we become really useful to God. And note this important point. The disciples were in trouble not because they decided to do their own thing, but because they'd obeyed the command of Jesus. He had sent them out on the lake. He had sent them into the storm. And the challenges we face when we're trying to do God's will are quite different from the mess we get into by just pursuing our own way. If trouble comes through being faithful to Jesus, we know we will have his aid, even if it's the fourth watch of the night just before the dawn. Jesus didn't wait to come to the struggling disciples just to let them sweat for a bit. No, the meaning is the coming of Jesus always brings an end to the darkness. And so we learn from this incident that our training and learning to be good disciples are all about being prepared to face the challenges in God's service. Our the theory has to be put into practice. And secondly, we're assured that if we do get into difficulties through obeying God's will, we can rely on his help in all circumstances. But then there's a third point. This was a group of men who, if you forgive the expression, were all in the same boat, literally. This was a team effort, not an individual event in Olympic terms. They faced the challenge together and worked in a concerted effort to reach their goal. This is a picture to us of what we're meant to be as a church, a community of disciples, and why we need the fellowship of each other. We sometimes use the word nave to describe the part of a church, the main part of a church, where the congregation gathers in the nave. And that comes from the Latin word for a ship. It's like the ark in which Noah and his company survived the flood. The church is the ship of our salvation in the community and support of our fellow believers. Sometimes you hear people say you can be a perfectly good Christian without going to church. Well, you certainly can't be a Christian at all without belonging to the church. The Church of Christ, in its true biblical sense, is the company of faithful believers who together make up the worldwide Team Jesus. However we express our, our faith, we are in a team event Success depends upon being together, working together, and worshipping together. Even Usain Bolt would struggle if he tried to win the 4 by 100 meters relay for Jamaica by his own efforts. Sometimes the commentators spoke as if he was the only runner in that race. There were four of them who together won the relay. And so we too are entered for a team event and through its cooperation and mutual support, we succeed. Well, we've been looking at our need to be ready for challenges in our walk of faith with Jesus. And so why do people embark on it in the first place if they're in for such a tough time? 
Well, that's the same as asking why people become athletes or footballers or musicians or anything else that uh, presents formidable challenges in the way of success. There is a goal in view. And what goal is that? For us as Christians, this is how we become what God made us to be. This is what gives meaning and purpose to our lives. This alone will fully use the gifts we've been given as individual personalities. And it brings, in the end, all the joy of knowing that God has called us to heavenly glory. Paul puts it like this. Everyone who competes to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And so to quote the letter to the Hebrews, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We've seen the endurance of the Olympic competitors. We're going to see the endurance and the overcoming of challenges by the Paralympics in the next few days. In our own race, we may have to face some very different challenges, whether it be the increasing infirmity of old age, whether it be worries about members of our family, whether it be about difficult relationships, or the prospect of having to face an operation, or tough decisions to be made, or work issues, or even the challenge of not being able to find work. Whatever it is, if Jesus has sent us into these situations, there will be a way of glorifying God in them and a promise that he will come to our aid. So, keep calm and carry on. Amen.